Hello, and welcome to the End Street Village podcast, a place where we are able to share stories, knowledge, and resources of End Street Village, a community that supports women in Washington, D.C. that are experiencing homelessness by offering a broad spectrum of services, housing, and advocacy in an atmosphere of both dignity and respect. Our facilitator for this conversation is Matt Laborde, the manager of the Vocational Center at End Street Village. Today's episode covers tips to adjust to the virtual landscape, advocating for yourself within your job, and how to stand out as an employee. Today, I'm joined by two special guests from the Boston Consulting Group, more commonly known as BCG, which is a top consulting firm globally. My first guest is Tatum, who's a project leader with BCG's Washington, D.C. office. Her primary areas of focus include social impact, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and strategic stakeholder engagement across the public sector. She's also a dedicated leader in BCG's Black plus Latinx and women's network groups. My second guest is Catherine Manfrey, who's a partner with BCG's Washington, D.C. office, who works across the private and public sector. Her primary areas of focus is on helping federal and state local agencies on how they can best organize and treat their employees and thinks a lot about performance management issues and diversity, equity, inclusion. Both Catherine and Tatum are both proud supporters of Entry Village, and we're honored to have them on the program today. Uh, Catherine, I'll start with you. In this day and age, our clients are being faced with something very unique and different for them, which is that they're being asked to do online interviews and interact in an online and virtual world for the first time in in their lives. So what are some tips and thoughts that you have on how to approach the virtual environment? That's a great question. Um, So I remember I actually had a, a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic. And so when I came back from maternity leave in August of 2020, I also was sort of thrust into this virtual environment, which was very, very different um, than what I had experienced previously being in person most of the time. So it's definitely an ongoing challenge, I think, that we're all facing between, you know, kids in the background, partners or spouses in the background, um, the noises of life just going on around us. It has certainly been a lot to handle and a lot to transition to. But I think there's a few things I would offer as as things that I've learned over the past 18 months of being almost completely virtual. I think the first is that talking to people virtually is a bit more dehumanizing, I have found, and difficult to form really genuine relationships with people. And I think there's a tendency, particularly because a lot of people tend now to be back-to-back in one Zoom meeting after another, to get into a a virtual meeting and try to get right down to business, you know, get through the agenda, answer the questions, and then and then hang up. I think though that the the thing that's really important to try to do whenever you start a virtual interaction is to try to have some human to human conversation, whether it's about the weather or what you did on your weekend, just something to establish that connection because I think it's otherwise really easy to forget that there's another like real life person that you're talking to. So I think the first tip I would offer is is to try to have that connection point before you get into whatever the agenda is of the time um, that you've set with the other person. So I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is, is, is definitely to think about 
um, using whether it's virtual backgrounds or setting up something behind you so that uh, there is an, a, there's a bit of an acknowledgement that like the life is going to happen behind you, but there are tools like, you know, blurring your background or using a virtual background that can be really useful if you know that you don't have a place where you're going to have, you know, a really nice like bookcase with like very well uh, organized books or, or paraphernalia behind you. Um, I know I certainly have made use of that when, um, you know, my, my husband and I were both working remotely suddenly and had a baby running around in the background. And so uh, sometimes like we had to take calls in places that were not uh, something resembling an office. So I think that's uh, probably another another tip that I would offer. And then I think the last one is is trying to do the best you can to end the meeting uh, several minutes before like the half an hour or hour mark. I think what has happened with a lot of us is that you lose that time when you're normally like walking between offices or walking down the hallway to do things like go to the bathroom or get a drink of water. And so I think it's always appreciated if you're able to try to, you know, wrap things up a little early so that the person you're talking to is able to to get to the next thing and, and take a, a quick break before their next meeting. Sorry, Tatum, I'll come to you. Once you land the job and you've kind of got through this this awkwardness of the virtual environment, you've talked in the past about how important it is to build personal relationships at work. So can you say more about that and what are some ideas around how to begin building those positive working relationships with your colleagues? Absolutely. To to follow on to um, Catherine's point around just how we navigate the Zoom environment, one additional tip that I, that I found that has really helped me with my you know teams that I've worked with in, in different you know organizations that we support is to start off meetings with just what I call like morning Monday friendlies or you know whatever day of the week, and that is just to set the stage that like this is a space where you know we can both share a little bit about ourselves to the extent that we're comfortable, so our you know our highlights from the weekend or something exciting that we did, and I found that that has extended um the like you know just the camaraderie and the the personality and personal relationships that we hope to build with our colleagues and also with um you know with with organizations that we might support here at bcg um additionally as we think about you know new yeah as a new employee in an organization i found that um engaging in what you know what maybe consider like affiliation opportunities um, where you can get to know other people that you might not work directly with in your department um, as uh, as a new person to the office can be really helpful so that as you think about wanting to understand maybe the scope of the organization beyond the day-to-day work that you do, you can get a, a better lens to that by, you know, meeting people there um, and, and those opportunities, as well as to just build friends so that you have someone that you can ask questions of that you may not, you know, necessarily feel comfortable or know how to navigate raising it to, you know, someone of, of seniority or like your, your manager, your supervisor. Um, I've also found that, um, that, you know, leaning on, um, you know, your, your peers that you engage with um, within your within your department too can be um, of, of help so that you can similarly get get up to speed and, and feel like you have that support um, and and feeling confident in the role that you're leaning in. And Tatum, I've heard the expression that you don't have to be friends with your colleagues, but you have to be friendly. Would you say that that's true in your experience, or would you offer a different perspective on that? That is such. A great question. I hadn't heard that one before, but I like to think that 
um, that you, you know, that you would want to be friends with. I, I try to create that environment among my teams, but I recognize that, you know, that that may not be everyone's imperative. And so I think first and foremost, um, being friendly if that if it's embedded in that, be, you know, being respectful um, and understanding everyone's, you know, has a different perspective or life experience or, you know, um, just affinity to the work um, or ability to engage and recognizing that we're all navigating the virtual world and, and this pandemic in a different way. So I, I can understand that not everyone comes to, um, you know, comes to work with the intent to, to build relationships strongly at work. Um, and so I would say if that is a mantra that's, that's you know, being um, kind of shared, then I would 100% anchor on minimally friendliness with, with, with embedded in that with respect um, is, is the fundamental and core. Gotcha. So Catherine, once you've gotten settled in your role and you've developed a community of people who see you as you know, trustworthy and reliable. I'm curious about the next step, which would seem to me that you want to start to build some type of network and look for ways to grow within a company or may, or maybe look for opportunities to branch out in your career. So what would, what advice would you give to a person who is starting from scratch? They have no professional network at work or outside of work. That's such a great question. You know, I think that when you start a new job, it is so easy to just focus on what is in front of you and both the people that are in front of you, the tasks that are in front of you, both because, you know, you're learning and you're getting to know people. But I think that, you know, the developing a network is something that both comes slowly over time, but also requires an amount of intentional from the person um, that is that is creating the network. And, you know, what a network really is, is it's, it's, it's just like a, a friend group, but in within your work environment. And I think that what that what that can create just to like, first, like describe like what a network can do for you is, you know, it, a network is important when you are either looking for a new job, or you are thinking about a new role, or you want to learn more about a different job or role within an organization that you're already working for. Um, there are, I mean, many times where I have called upon my network when uh, thinking about, you know, a career pivot um, and getting advice on how to navigate that or, you know, when I've um, gotten promotions, you know, thinking about what is the next skill set that I need to be thinking about. So there's a lot of ways to, to use a network. And I just wanted to start with that before going into how to create it. You know, I think there are there are parts of my, my personal network that are people that I have worked with in the past that I have made a, a point to stay in touch with. Um, with some of those people that I've worked with previously, it looks like setting up like a regular uh, set of coffee chats, like, you know, maybe we check in every quarter or every year. Uh, others who I, you know, live further apart from, um, I, I might like plan to send an email to with some regularity or like I see an interesting article that I think that they might be interested in. Um, those are some way, one way to cultivate a network is just to keep in touch essentially with the people that you have already interacted with. So that's one way. I think the second way, which um, in my experience as a, as a woman and also as, a, as someone who has done a lot of work with, uh, with our women's network at BCG, 
I think this is something that like women often don't do as much of, uh, but, but should, which is, is to reach out proactively to people that you may not have a natural touch point with or haven't worked with in the past for the express purpose of building a network. And what that looks like is, let's say you're at a job and, you know, you have a core group of people that you're working with regularly, but there's someone in a different department or a different office that, you know, is doing a job that you're really interested in doing sometime in the future, or you're just interested in learning more about because it seems, it, it seems really fascinating. Outreach could just look like, hey, you know, I... I see that you're doing this job. I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, thinking about that for myself in the future. I was wondering if you'd like to grab a coffee or, you know, get on the phone for a few minutes and, and just talk about what that looks like and how you got there. And I think, you know, generally people really like talking about themselves and tend to be very flattered when they get emails like this. I know I have sent those emails myself. I have received those emails from others. And I think you'd be surprised how often people are like pretty like flattered and eager to get on the phone and talk to you for a few minutes. And so I think part of thinking about who you therefore might want to reach out to is thinking about what is it that you want or need or want to learn about at that point in, in life. Um, and maybe it's, you know, just someone that you've heard about that's like a really great person or someone you look up to. But I think there's like essentially two parts to the networking. It's First, taking advantage of the existing network you have and cultivating it over time and actively staying in touch. And then the second piece is thinking about what it is you would want in the future and what types of people you might want to reach out to, to, to form those relationships. Because at the end of the day, all a network is, is a series of relationships. Um, and it's, you know, in a lot of ways, not too dissimilar to a series of friendships that you probably already have organically in your life. Hmm. Thank you, Catherine. That's really good insight. And Tatum, I'll come back to you. Uh, going back to the day-to-day -day process of being a working person, feedback is, is such an important part of thriving at a job, but not everyone likes to get negative feedback. So how do you handle that inevitability of the blow of negative feedback and how can you use it to your advantage? Yeah, that's a really great question, Matt. I think Inevitably, in, in the workforce, we will expect to receive you know, positive feedback and validation that the work that we've been doing is well received and, and, and our performance um, tracks well against expectations, but that there are likely opportunities for us to all grow. And, and, and so when we receive feedback that isn't as positive, that hopefully it is received in a constructive way and that we can have the mind share that it is just an opportunity for us to, to learn um, and grow in a new skill or a new habit. Um, but recognize that when in the midst of it, real time, it can it can feel you know not as exciting to receive as as a positive feedback. So, for me, when when I've been met with feedback that um, has been constructive, um, I want first you know um, lead with the fact that I am hopeful that the the person delivering has good intentions and and sharing it with me and is as invested in my growth. I mean that's why they are delivering you know the feedback um, so that I can work on it and, and show up and, and continue to do my best in, the, in that way. Um, I, in the midst of, of negative feedback or constructive feedback, I um, would, would encourage to, would encourage those to, to ask a little bit more about specific examples so that they can pinpoint and that, and that they can pinpoint 
when and where so that they can really action on the feedback in an effective way go for, going forward. Um, and, and then um, you can turn constructive feedback as an opportunity for, um, for advice and guidance on how the person delivering your feedback um, would, would have done it so that you um, then just have like, again, actionable opportunities to, to correct and address go forward. I really like that idea of, of getting specific with the feedback. So you can know exactly what you need to do moving forward. And I think one of the themes that's come up today has been about individuals taking actions to better themselves and their, their situations at work. So we'll just close uh, for a question for both of you, but uh, Catherine, I'll start with you. What, what, are, what would be a central point of advice that you would give to somebody, one of our clients who's starting a job about how to advocate for themselves? That is a really great question. Uh, it is so, so important and also very, I, I think, difficult for some of us to do naturally. I know for myself, it is not a natural skill set for me to, to advocate on my own behalf. Um, I think, uh, yeah, even, even now, like, you know, I've, I've had many trainings on this and conversations and, and experience and, and I still find it to be a naturally uncomfortable thing. But I think the reality is, is no matter where you work or what you work on, um, being able to, to talk about your achievements and your skills in a way that resonates with people is just so, so important for so, for so many reasons. So, you know, I think that the first thing is, is taking a bit of a reflective exercise of thinking about what is it that I believe myself to be really good at? And how do I want other people to view me? Um, you know, in the, in the business world, we sometimes call this our personal brand, but I think it's, it's as simple as just, if, if someone else was describing me, how would I want them to describe me? I think that's really important to think about because in order to advocate for yourself, you have to first know what it is you are advocating about. Um, I think the second piece, again, another bit of reflection exercise is to think about what it is that your goal is. So, you know, in some cases, it might be that you are trying to get a new job and you are trying to advocate to the person you're talking to that your unique set of skills and personality is the right fit for a role. In other cases, it might be that you're in a job and you're trying to get a promotion or you're trying to get you know, a different role within the company that you're working for. And so I think first on really, and sometimes it might be actually just writing it down on paper, like what is it that I am trying to achieve? So if you've gotten the building blocks of what am I advocating about? And then what am I advocating for? Then you at least have something clear that whatever story you tell to the person you're talking to is, is very well-defined and intentional. Um, and I think, you know, the last thing, I, I think I remember reading this in some, in some book about, um, about women in the workplace that, you know, women tend to feel more comfortable advocating for themselves when they believe that it is for the good of others. And so one of the, the things that I do in my head to try to make myself just feel <laughs> more comfortable and confident in doing this is, is to think about you know, what is the greater good that my advocacy of myself might create? So it could be that 
I think that I am like uniquely positioned to do a certain role and, and, and that my contribution to that role is going to help the organization or is going to help impact people. And, and at least for me, like that's how I get myself a bit more comfortable with uh, the idea of advocacy. I think the other thing, frankly, that I also do sometimes is, um, is, is I just like talk to the people that are closest to me. So my, my husband, my, my closest friends, my family. And sometimes I just need like a little bit of like a hype person to tell me like, no, Catherine, like you are really great at this. You should have no hesitation in, in stating that you are the best person to do something or that you should be given this new role. So I think sometimes you just need to go to the people that know you and, and love you and support you in your personal life to, to be more comfortable if you're the type of person who um, hesitates when advocating for yourself. Um, and if you are the type of person that has no hesitation, that is amazing. You are light years ahead of where I was at the start of my career and probably light years ahead of where I am now. Um, but I think that, you know, if you're someone who is not as comfortable like I am, I think just having those people that are around you um, give you that validation can be really, really useful. And Tatum, I'll leave the last word with you about your ideas, uh, your, your main piece of advice for someone who wants to advocate for themselves in the workplace. Sure. To be honest, Catherine's last point around um, and, you know, just leveraging the people who really know and see you outside of the workplace has been like my primary source of, of like motivation and, and, you know, just energy to, to bring my um, desire for advocacy to work. And so I would really just like echo particularly Catherine's last point. Um, I would also say a bit of, a bit of advocacy for me has looked like um, just like truly stepping away kind of, again, I guess, to Catherine's point around reflection to think about like what truly excites me, what makes me really happy about myself and, and particularly myself within the context of the, the, the job um, and to like to own that. And so um, by like really being true to yourself and recognizing like this is this is truly me. This is what makes me smile. And, and I know that I that I bring my best version of myself to work in these ways that like you also bring that you bring that enthusiasm through to whatever forms you end up, you know, engaging upon for your advocacy. Um, and then I, to the extent that, you know, there are either other trusted or, or confidential or advisors that you have within your, you know, your organization to, to kind of prep with, I've leveraged that as well to say like, hey, this is how I'm thinking about starting the conversation. And would you, you know, would you um, suggest that, you know, I reframe it and, and just kind of like practicing a little bit to the extent that you may be nervous as Catherine said, because I know that we all can be. Um, I found that to be helpful to find that your trusted, your trusted um, friends and advisors as well within the organization, maybe before you have to land that advocacy with maybe someone of, of power. Um, I think that, that, that that's what, that's what um, has been a really big source of, of my own advocacy this year, just really being firm in, in the things that excite me that I, and then that allow me to bring my best self to work and not being afraid to let that light shine um, in the room for which I'm, I'm standing up for myself. That is a great note to end on. So I want to thank you, Catherine and Tatum, for joining us on the Entry Village podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us and, uh, and wish you all uh, the best of luck. And that's it for today's program. 
Stay tuned for additional episodes in the future, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for listening and have a good day.